Thank you for returning for another time of examining privilege. It has been awesome to see how many folks are tuning in to wrestle with this stuff. Thank you for spending some time this week doing it. Last time we left off, well, our episode ended with me talking about what it's like to do homemaking alone. And right alongside that, the fear of losing my place in my family if I ask for help. Even as I'm chafing under the notion that this work is not seen as important for all of us. Even as I'm growing in resentment around the fact that I'm expected to do it all alone and other people say they they will quote-unquote help me to do things that make their lives work and and operate better. So I guess that's the introduction, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome to episode eight. Let's do our best Patrick Stewart and engage. Hmm, yeah. yeah. You're making me think the... Um... What, 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 what she's, do you need a moment to question here? No, I'm, I'm good. This is, oh. this is it, man. I, I, this is the stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember you back years of the seminary. You've teared up pretty quickly on things like that. That's why I identified with you so much. Cause oh. I do too. Yeah. But, um, uh, and that was really beautiful about you. Uh, well, but the, the other, other thing, um, what she's, which were you talking about the, the two men there, you know, what Hawk Shepherding is coming from the sociological tradition that says this that change in social movements and is is just not um by osmosis. Yes. That it just happens, you know, because of the structure. But it's you know, and here I go for another white male, Max Weber. Um mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's intentional, it's purposeful, it's goal oriented. People, you know, change uh, bring change um, you know, because you know they they do the work for it. Yeah. They're 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 intentional about it. Um, you know, uh, they they put it into practice. They they do the hard work for it. They ask the tough questions about it. You know, um, and um, something else that comes out of book that in terms of looking at the, the great cover up. Um, oh yeah, I think that like it's not so easy. I could. You know, sometimes the cover up is is the tears that you mentioned. You yeah. know, sometimes the cover up is that we don't talk about the the health risks that it puts us under. You yep. know, about you know the way that men or, or particularly those who think they got to have power control respond. You know, once their their system begins to be breaking broken down, they feel like you know going through one may go through mental it's a mental crisis. Oh yeah. How many how many middle aged men have I sat with in the hospital as mm-hmm. as that came crashing down? Mm-hmm. Right, and their whole identity is gone, yeah. gone yeah. because their only value to the family was their paycheck. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, and that's that's why I think there is for myself. I I have. Um, I have a lot of support groups, and some of them are therapeutic uh, support groups. And one is um, with men, uh, African American men. It's really weird when I walk in because it's just like you know, um, I get when I first came to this group, I got into the black malehood thing, you know, right. that, that 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 we do, you know, a certain way of talking. What's up, brother? How you doing? Yeah. I, I I can go there. I I can do the I can do the white talk. I I can be them, but I can do my brother talk too. You know, I'm fine with that. Yep. So, you know, 
sit down, but I've noticed within the group that that was not the dynamic sort of, you know, the expectation. Mm. Um, but because a lot of, uh, on the top of all that, um, is Victor Rios in the book Punish, what called the uh, hyper masculinity that have come from the, the codes that, um, a, a respect that Latino and African American men demand they get. And that's what the, the toughness is about and is about respect on the street, respect in society. Yeah. Um, beneath that, there is such a tender core. Yes. Um, and what happens in those groups and, and in other groups, racial groups, is um, we've gotten to that point where we can be that way with each other, that we don't have to follow those uh, myths of masculinity masculinity um and and they're real so that when i finally open up and open to a brother and i say i love you and he says the same thing you know that it's genuine and the wonderful thing for me as a gay man is i can say i love you without objectifying you you know or learning yes. you know or or, or or doing that or if i objectifying just kind of put it in the background you know or stay away you know yeah. it's just like if i can I'm a James Harden that much, unless you're interested. So you drive me crazy, so you're going to have to sit over I'm over here, okay? <laughs> or, or, I'm going to meet with the women, okay? Because they understand what's going on with me right now. I mean, <laughs> I'm like that, you know? And, and it's turned turn the matrix, and the women say, oh, I get what you mean. Uh, so come on over here, <laughs> you know? But, um, and, but yeah, I mean, I think that that, that deliberateness, uh, uh, like uh, um, in terms of getting to the heartbeat and and breaking down that, uh, that that suffering part of it, that like you say leads to, you know, think about Wall Wall Street and the Depression, nineteen thirty, you know, guys jumping out the window because yep. they're because of their money, you know, um, it's all gone. That made them is that who who makes you. And that's, I guess, becomes a. a I'm, I'm sorry. No, I. I mean, today the group that's doing that—they aren't jumping out of windows. It's white men refusing to wear masks. Hey. Mm -hmm. It's the same damn thing. Yeah. It's that you took yeah. away our job because we can't go to work. We have to go to work, and we aren't going to be seen in a mask. Like, that's it's. I'm going to go print what? off a fake ADA card, you know, so that I don't mm. have to wear a mask. Mm. And do you think it's not that they don't want to wear a mask or the rule that you've got to fall in line because the leader says this? You know, It's because uh, the value of caring for another person, especially when I don't know, has no mm -hmm. value, has mm. no – white men especially have been taught that that is not – their role in life. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And so when they're asked to do it, they see no value in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you say there's any humanity there? Any human feeling? I, I mean, the callous part of me wants to say no, but I, I also know, having, I mean, having been that guy... Right? Having, God, what was it, 2000, 
three or four, I remember writing an angry letter to the the principal of the, my kid's school in Berkeley <laughs> talking about why the hell couldn't we celebrate Columbus Day? Some of us white people need something to look up to. Um, like, I, I remember writing that, that letter. Um, where was my humanity in that moment? Um, I don't know. Uh because at the same time, I knew that I loved people very, very much. And I knew that I, I cared very much about uh, racial equality. I didn't get my privilege. I didn't get a whole lot of this other stuff. I didn't get um, what, uh, the reality of racism in this country. Um, so I, part of me, where is the humanity? I think there's a valid question there and an important one. Where is the humanity? Um in folks who, you know, aren't, aren't going to mask up right now. Um, it, part of me has a very hard time considering it. Part of me wants to yell and be angry and just shut up and put on the damn mask, you fool. Um, and another part of me that has to have compassion for who I was, um, crazy libertarian nut job, um, that, I'm talking about me here, not, not all libertarians, but <laughs> but, but just like... I think that's the question we have to be asking. So how do you care for your other human, for your, for for other people that you're around, even if you right. don't know them? Yeah. Um, well, that's why I guess I, I was thinking about, I guess I was about to go to spirituality. Um, yeah, go. The, um, in my own spiritual journey, it's been different places. It's, I've been very, very close and believing and, Sometimes I've been sort of angry at it all and just leave me to hell alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but I guess because when I get my to my spiritual distance, it it helps me to see our, our entire connection as as as, as, as people. Um, that um, that and and it requires that I go further, yeah. you know, uh, to to really care and be concerned. And just not care and be concerned because I want, you know, I, I just want to get to heaven. But mm-hmm. because there's a really sense of, of love and concern in, in my neighbor of, of seeing how they hurt and I don't want them to hurt. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I like 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 that. I mean, I, I found that even my pastoral work and um, with some of my more and I, I use this up on some people who uh, who said they may be conservative and all. Um, there were, you know, members of my church when I was coming out of gay man, you know, who, who just said, he's like, you're doing your job. And there's one woman who said, you know, I can't hurt another woman's son. You know, um, you know, I may not understand this, but, you know, I love you. And get that there's, there is something I think very powerful that that sense of love. And I, I guess I maybe go back to killing white, great white male. I see this maybe played out in race relations in the gay community. We won't talk about that much. And these, you know, and some of the multi-racial relations that just I did in or biracial, you know, you, I, um, really like dating, dating really, I always did this one guy, um, my white friends would say, Mark, that's the last white man on earth. He's not going to change. No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They're like, I know where he comes from. Okay. It's like, I get one of my best friends was telling me, I was like, he met my, my friend. I'm like, you stand there laughing at my boyfriend, <laughs> you know, and he knows you're laughing at him. <laughs> he mm-hmm. just takes this, 
<laughs> just like Mark, I know these guys. No, <laughs> but I remember this guy it was just like, um, or, or or some. I, I I remember him being so caring, particularly in moments of intimacy. Mm. Um, and such a beautiful heart, but and I see other men too, like that. Uh, maybe it's just on the gay side. Maybe it's saying that intimacy, and then once they get there, it, they run like hell. You know, yeah. Um, he had to cover over it. You know, he would do a little because he, you know, he most of his boyfriends were black, but um, uh, he he would tell me that sooner or later they would call him racist. You know, yeah. Like, well, if you're reading, if you're reading war books about the Nazis, <laughs> and you're coming over to my place with a gun on you, he, he, he used to be an officer or something, and. And you tell me that, you know, you like people who don't look like you over in my neighborhood who look like they didn't like you. And I'm like, like you know, you, you'll shoot me then. You know, I, yeah. I'm a little, I go after the, I like a challenge, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but but there were times when when his intimacy, and, and I think, I knew he felt it. And I was looking like, you feel this, don't you? And he's, mm, mm, you know, just a struggle there. Yes. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I think we, we, that, that's kind of been played on both ladies. But I, I think in, in those communities where we can share and we can create dialogue, where there's a classroom, where there's a, where there's intimate relationships, or whether it's um, the therapeutic group, you know, um, uh, or whether it's the revolution, you know, and and hell, if you didn't get in here, then 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 we got to fight it out. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking. Like in this time with Black Lives Matter and all, I've been a little critical about um, things I see as violent or beyond me. And then I thought about myself in elementary school, the day that we moved into a white neighborhood and white boys used to throw rocks at the house, Mm. you know. And one of my, we were first weekends, first few months in school, I think it was like on Halloween, you know, one of the white kids, he put some water in his mouth and spit all over my sister. Oh, God. And, uh, and our resolve, after a while, black power came, our resolve, the only way we got respect in that neighborhood was when we started fighting. We didn't want to, but, you know, she was on his back. I was six years old, and I started swinging at his stomach. Yep. <laughs> and and my mother, she would take eight with her strong spiritual self. She, she confronted parents, not violently, but that's in her way of talking powerfully in her spirit about these are my kids and this is how your kids act. This will be a good neighborhood. And I'm surprised. And, you know, I'm a Christian. <laughs> she yeah. was him, and they're so embarrassed that these little, little brats, you know, they'll come over our house and apologize. Yeah. And some of them remained friends all the way up through high school. I had a guy write me, a letter was German background and said, you know, you invited me to my, you know, your third grade party. And, uh, it's like, nobody would do that. Mm. I said, well, you do. I don't know. Um, wow. That's. I, I mean, I, I'm hopeful in it, but then sometimes I feel like I'm deceiving myself. I mean, like I said, in those times when I'm at school, I'm still teaching all these issues. And, um, like I say, and then I'm surprised I get a ray of light every time I hear of a story of change. I I think that's the 
that's the the that's the part of my gut that is so sick right now is I'm so deathly scared and and bluntly whether it's around the me too movement the stuff that contributed to the book we read today or the black lives movement right now I'm just deathly scared of like well a corporation made a policy it's all better now and what we end up with is never actually challenging what's behind the stuff uh, at what point are we going to deal with the capitalistic issue? Um, I mean, this is, so this is a Huckschild again. Without our note, uh, page, what is it, 269, without our noticing, American capitalism over time embraced empowerment and sidetracked care. So the absence of a, in the absence of a counter movement, care has often become a hand-me-down job. Men hand it to women. High-income women hand it to low-income women. Migrant workers who care for American children and elderly hand the care off of their children and elderly to paid caregivers, as well as grandmothers and aunts back in the Philippines, Sri Lanka, Mexico, and other con- countries of the global south. And it, it, she continues, but it it articulates so clearly the the reality of this problem that that scares scares me at least um in this moment with it is that well we'll create a policy and go back to sleep thanks for tuning in today please do a couple of things here as we're talking about america going back to sleep i have to ask how will you maintain focus on this work today as always this conversation is so much better with friends so who will you invite along Hit that share button and share the podcast on your favorite social media platform. Maybe just start a conversation with a friend about what you're you're experiencing here, the parts you don't like, the parts that you're really resonating with. And check out our Patreon page. Become a patron of the show for early access and bonus content. And of course, the biggest part is keep listening. Looking forward to seeing you Monday for Episode 9 and the conclusion of this conversation with Mark.